Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Telling the Story podcast, a look at how journalists and all of us reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. First things first, big news. This is my first podcast back since an extended break, and one of the reasons for that break is what I want to tell you about now. Get your calendars ready this June, the 10th and 11th. We are making history in Atlanta, hosting the first ever, or at least the first time in a very long time, I can't seem to get anyone to confirm it, NPPA Southeast Storytelling Workshop. I'm co-hosting it with photojournalist John Kirtley, who works out of Asheville, North Carolina, and we are bringing in some of the best local TV journalists in the country to speak and provide critiques. Boyd Hooper, Chris Vanderveen, Scott Jensen, Mark Ginther, John Lee, Kathleen Carnes, Brendan Keefe. These are legends, and very rarely does this kind of talent get together in one place, period, let alone in the Southeast. So again, that is June 10th and 11th. You can register now by going to our website, tellingthestoryblog.com, and clicking on the show notes for the podcast. I've got a link right in there for you. And to that end, from now until June, every two weeks, I'll be posting a new podcast featuring one of the speakers at this workshop. And for this first one, I'm bringing in two. Two photojournalists who have just won some supreme honors, the newly crowned NPPA Regional Photographers of the Year for the East and Central Regions. From WBFF-TV in Baltimore, Jed Gamber, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you bringing me on. This is awesome. And from WTVF-TV in Nashville, Catherine Stewart, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I'm a huge fan of both of you guys, and we'll talk shop in a minute. But first, I wanted to say congratulations to both of you on being named Regional Photographer of the Year. Uh, Catherine, set the scene for me. It's a Thursday night. The NPPA's streaming awards show gets underway, and you find out you're the champ. What's the first thing you did? <laughs> well, I finished editing my story. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I was uh, shocked. Um, I, it was a really, really close, um, call with, with me and, and Rob Collette, who's amazing, uh, and just as easily could, could have been there. So I was just really excited and got back to work. <laughs> when you think about this award, now that you've had time for it to settle in a little bit, now that you're not on deadline anymore, what is the most gratifying thing for you about winning it? Um, I, I guess just just to know that uh, people, the judges liked the stories and that, you know, all the work that we put into them uh, paid off and that people recognized that and felt something for for what we had to show them. Um, And so that to me was that's just such an honor. This pool is full of incredible photojournalists. And um, so I I was just absolutely stunned, still am to. (laughs) To, to be in this position and, and just to, to know that people liked the year's worth of work. Jed Gamber, how about you? Where does this rank on the career highlights list? Well, this is my first uh, photographer for anything. It's just incredible uh, <laughs> honor for me. And uh, I think the thing I'm most proud of is our staff, um, Ben Worsley and Brian Johnson, who are also photojournalists at our station. We finished one, two, three in the standings in East top and we went, ended up winning um, regional station of the year, which I'm very proud of. Also um, it is a team effort where we are. We all work, work hard to make each other better. We critique our own stories. And I think that the results speak for themselves. And I was talking with one of your uh, solo video journalists, Paul Gessler 
about a week ago, and, and I, I was just saying to him, I think the, the staff and the culture that you guys have built up at that station is phenomenal. You're the chief photographer mm-hmm. over there. Um, on an individual level, what makes this a special honor for you? Obviously, it's, you've had a very, very big year, a lot of stories, and we'll get into some of those. But on an individual level, for you, what makes it special? Oh, it's an incredible honor. You know, um, it's it's who came before me and being in the same conversation as them. Uh, Dave Larson, who is a great friend of mine, and he was an incredible photojournalist when he was with us. He just recently left us about maybe a year or two ago. Before him, Darren Durlach, Stan Heiss. There's just a lot of great names that have come through WBFF. And uh, it's working hard to be you know, mentioned in the same breath as those guys is what makes it so gratifying. Uh, I still feel like I have got a long way to go to catch up with guys like that, but um, it's the hunger that keeps me going. It's the drive <laughs> to tell better stories and serve our community. And I think that we do a great job at WBFF of doing that. That's great. I think what stands out to me about the specific award of regional photographer of the year is that it really awards consistency and uh, a little background for those of you listening, not familiar with it. So photographers like Jed and Catherine enter stories Every quarter into the MPPA competition, those stories are judged. And if you win an award for one, you get a certain number of points, whether you get first place, second place, third place, etc. Then at the end of the year, whoever has the most points wins the crown. So you really have to be on your game all year long. And Catherine, I was watching some of your award winners earlier today. And what was interesting to me is that there's really no unifying theme. They were all over the map from deadline stories. You had a beautiful long feature there. So it's the kind of thing where the consistency really had to be there on your end. What is your strategy for consistently delivering great work? Uh, Thank you, first of all. uh, (laughs) That's nice of you. Um, Gosh, my strategy, I'd say that I try to really think about, and, and this isn't something I don't think I was doing right away in my career, but I really try to think of story potential um, with every story, even, even if it's something that it's like, okay, I know this, this isn't going to be very fun today. This is something kind of boring or something. I try to think early on, you know, where can it go? So even if it's a back pocket holder story, that's going to be long form, or if it's, you know, maybe a fire or some kind of spot news, I try to think, okay, where are we right now? And, and what, what's the best case scenario? You know, what can we go into this really trying to to come out with and so i think that's something that i do with with every story and then try really really hard to reach that potential with with all of them and uh we were talking about this uh off the air a little bit but there was a specific story you did about a stopped train that had trapped people in their community i know jed you had mentioned it was one of your favorites it's one of mine too i remember shouting it out uh, on the blog last year And uh, that's just one of those brilliant ones that I'm sure kind of unfolded right in front of you and maybe seems like a slam dunk if you're watching it as just a compelling story because there's so much going on. But at the same time, there's really nothing going on. It's a lot of people waiting, and yet you were able to make that into something compelling. How did you do it? With the stop train story, I think when we got there, we had no idea when the train was going to start. So that was the challenge of the story. Absolutely no clue. No one really had an idea. They said it had been there a few hours and it usually only stays there a few hours. So this could have been, we kind of were sent to it as a Vosat, but we thought, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to mic up everybody to try to get all, because there's so many people 
that were reacting and that were so mad to, you know, the situation that they've kind of experienced before. And so really we were switching the mics every minute or every, every five minutes. Um, And it was like, as soon as we got, you know, a good reaction or a little moment with somebody, it was like, take it off, move to the next person. Cause we really just didn't know when our time was going to be up and when we were going to have to go to this train. Um, And so that's kind of how we went into it. Just thinking we're going to try to get as much of this frustration as we can, because there was a lot to get. Uh, And I mean, luckily for us, it, it was there for, I think 30 or 40 minutes while we were there. So we were able to kind of move around a lot and, um, you know, get, get what we got. Jed, you were uh, consistently great as well this year, but the highlights really seem to surround your coverage of the Freddie Gray riots in Baltimore, uh, the aftermath of his death. And it was just simply riveting, complex, emotional stuff, very volatile, and at your workshop or at our workshop, you'll be speaking about this, about storytelling a hostile, in a hostile environment. What was your strategy for reaching an audience and really conveying all those emotions while keeping your cool? Well, it, it helped that um, I have a teammate as eager as I was to cover the story with Kathleen. Um, we Kathleen were, Carnes, we're talking about, too, your reporter yeah, I'll be uh, WBFF in Atlanta and uh, to share our, our thoughts and our strategy with all this also. But um, in summary, we, we that day we covered another story. We got done editing it. And as soon as I got done, Kathleen's like, let's go because something's going on big out there. So we weren't tied to anything. It was just we were our shift was basically over. And, you know, the passion kicked in like, let's go. This is the reason why we do this. Let's go. Let's go cover this. And when we got there, um, the confidence in having a great teammate, you know, picking up my sticks whenever you go and, co- and cover something like this is really, really, really helpful. And um, I always have my headphones on. I'm listening to her whenever she turns the mic on. I know she's got something. But then when things really started to unfold, it's I'm taking my quick mic off my camera and I'm just putting it in people's faces, just getting their reaction. And when there's that many things going on, when I shoot something, I see that I have, I need to get, I need to find out what gets me into what I just shot. Like I need a counter punch to what I've just punched. So when they, they spray up the um, pepper sprayed the kid in his face, I need to find the kid who got pepper sprayed. So I, after that, I sprinted and I found him and he was surrounded by people and they're pouring water and is searching for someone who saw what happened. And then they're like, yeah, they pepper sprayed him in his face. His face turned orange. So, what I was thinking of is, is just connecting the dots because th- these things are, unhappen- are are unfolding so fast. So all I'm thinking about is just how to connect all of it and getting the sound that I can and just listening for when Kathleen needs me or when she points something out to me. And in situations, in that situation that we were in, she was another s- set of eyes for me. So wherever she saw something, she told me and I went and got what I could and vice versa when I saw some stuff that maybe she can help me get a mic on somebody, she would do the same thing. Let me ask uh, what is probably seemingly obvious, but I think is important to to distinguish in this kind of conversation, because you're talking about technique and capturing moments. What is your strategy for serving your audience when you're covering a story like that? So obviously you're trying to capture all this stuff and there's so much going on right in front of you. 
But when you think about act, the actual product you're putting on the air and what it means to your audience, what are you thinking about in that context? I'm thinking that we need to put our viewers there because I think that as a station, we do that very well. We need to get our viewers in the atmosphere of what we are experiencing. And how we do that is how we gather our elements, the strategy that I was just talking about. That's what puts our viewers there. That's what makes it memorable. And that's what is so engaging are these moments that are just unfolding on ground level, not from a helicopter, not from afar. You know, I, I don't want, I don't like to be arm's length away from what I'm seeing. I like to be up in it. That's when you really can feel what's going on around you. Putting your viewers there, having them experience what's actually going on, I think that's important for journalism itself. Very cool. Very cool. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl, and my guests are the two newest NPPA regional photographers of the year, Catherine Stewart of Nashville, Jed Gamber of Baltimore, and they will both be speaking at this year's NPPA Southeast Storytelling Workshop. This is also a bit of history for the podcast, by the way, guys, in that I've never had multiple guests who are not sitting next to each other on at the same time, which might be why you listening to the podcast are hearing the occasional bleep and bloop. I believe that's because of the Google Hangouts we're using as opposed to the usual Skype. But uh, thank you guys both for doing this. It's great to have you both in one place and be able to talk shop with you both. Catherine, so thrilled that you and Jason Lamb are coming down to Atlanta for this workshop. I'll ask you the question that I'm asking every guest. Uh, what made you say yes to us? What made you want to do it? Well... It's such an honor. I mean, I, I go to these workshops. I've been watching them. If I, if I don't make it, I try to find a way to see it somehow or find out, you know, what they're about. And it is one of the most inspiring weekends, you know, of, of your career or of mine. And so to be asked to be a part of that on a, a presenting level was such an honor. And I, I think I said to John, you know, I don't know why you're asking me, but of course, you know, because it's just to, to be up with speakers that are going to be, you know, in Atlanta is just, it's, it's just an honor. And I'm so excited. And I know it's going to be a great learning experience, you know, for me um, and hopefully for the people that are, are there. And it's going to be a fun, fun weekend. That is one of the little secret benefits of speaking at these things. I've learned from the few that I've been asked to speak at is you just sit through the rest of the conference and pick up everybody else's wisdom too. And it's such a valuable thing. Um, you said this is a first for you, right? Speaking at a conference. Yes. And uh, any, anything on that note, being a first timer for this uh, Jason too, or has Jason spoken before? No, this is his first time as well. So we're, nervous and we have a lot to, <laughs> to figure out but we'll 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 be spending a lot of time in the next couple months uh kind of getting it all planned out and i think we're gonna have fun absolutely and you've got a lot of great work uh that you can show at your uh during your presentation so we're excited for that jed uh, same question for you what made you want to speak at the workshop why'd you say yes to us well i was incredibly honored when uh when john curtly called me and asked me um it's the i've just like Catherine, I've been to a, a lot of these workshops. I'm a workshopaholic, and um, it's it's so inspiring to listen to all of these people, like uh, like you and uh, Boyd and uh, John Sharifi and guys like Scott Jensen. And hearing them hearing them speak, it's so inspirational and it makes you want to do great work. But and I feel like that's inspired me, and I want the chance to uh, inspire the way I was inspired. And in an opportunity like this, 
um, with an incredible lineup of speakers. It's, I mean, it's a no-brainer to say yes to. And sure, it's going to be uh, nerve-wracking, but at least I'll have my partner, <laughs> Kathleen, there to help me out because I think she's spoken at some of these before. <laughs> and that's uh, one thing that uh, connects the two of you as well is that you'll each be speaking in pairs. Jed, you'll be speaking with Kathleen Carnes, your usual reporting partner. Catherine, you'll be speaking about storytelling as a team with Jason Lamb. And, and Jed, I'll start with you on this one. Let's talk about the teamwork here. You guys mentioned it a little bit uh, in your answers about the stories you covered this past year, but talk about how the teamwork comes through in the day-to-day work, not even the the just hostile situations that you were in in Baltimore, but when you're working with Kathleen or any reporter, what is the culture that has to ex- exist there to elevate both of you and make the whole bigger than the sum of the parts? It's, it's funny you mention that because when I first started working with Kathleen on a regular basis, I was so nervous to work with her because of who she's worked with in the past. Uh, POIs like Darren Durlach, who won it three times in a row, and then Stan Heist, who won it also, and and uh, Dave Larson, who's been in regional photographer of the year numerous times. And it's like, I have to step up to that level. I'm like, I, I don't think I can step up to that level. But we just, we kept at it. She's such a great teammate and a good teacher. I learn from working with someone like that. And now it's gotten to the point that we approach every story the same way. We're trying to swing for the fences every story. You know, if we if we swing for the fences and it connects, then that's great. It's a home run story. But if we don't, at least we're getting on base. You know, at least we're, we're trying to find our small victories every day. And Kathleen has that same mentality. Let's find our small victory. Let's find our structure. Let's put something together that we try to make memorable, that try, we try to serve our viewers every day. And when you talk about those victories, whether it's a home run or uh, maybe just a base hit, what is what is the thing that you guys are doing that makes your story stronger for the viewer? And how does it make that story stronger for the viewer? How does a viewer watch your work and get the added benefit of that little extra thing you're doing? We try to set ourselves apart because I feel like a lot of the stories that we cover on a day-to-day basis are repeat stories, um, homicide stories, um, political stories from time to time. How do we make those stories that all, every station does on a daily basis different? How do we set them apart? I think that's what our mentality also is. How do we set ourselves apart from them? How do we make our stories, you know, more memorable at the water cooler the next day for someone who watched rather than someone that watched one of our competing stations? Um, we try to, people relate to people. People don't relate to issues. So we find the issue and we find how it affects people at their level. Because if we just talk, if we just put numbers on a, on a full screen, that just means nothing. But if we talk to someone who's actually affected by these numbers and tell the story through their eyes, I feel like viewers will really connect with them that way. Catherine, you and Jason Lamb have paired on some tremendous work. Again, I mentioned this off the top and I'll say it again that, you know, there, there really is no unifying theme. It is, it is the definition of general assignment where you guys go out and cover stories and just do a dynamite job on them. And I have to ask you, what is it that, that creates that special pairing? Uh, you know, you, you, especially after hearing what Jed and Kathleen, kind of their mindset, how do you and Jason, how do you and any of the reporters you work with approach a story? Uh, well, a little bit of kind of what I touched on earlier about story potential. We definitely discuss that um, and we communicate so much um, in the field, before the shoot, after the shoot, during the edit, during the writing. Um, it's really kind of a nonstop um, discussion about 
you know, where we can get to and, and if we're going to get there or not. Um, and I, I've had the pleasure of working with Jason in particular in more than one market. So we've been working together a while. We trust each other a lot. And I think that that helps the two of us um, on, on some of our stories, especially some of the longer form stories that we do. We really, really try to plan it out as much as possible and, and try to, you know, go into it with, you know, what do we expect could happen? What, what curveballs could be thrown at us? And really, it's just about talking about all of that stuff. So that way, we're kind of ready. So when it does happen, and, you know, we can't talk about it, because we're in the moment, um, hopefully, I mean, we trust each other that we're going to do the jobs that that we need to do to bring that to the viewer. How long does it take to build that trust with someone? And how difficult is it then to replicate with people who you don't have that kind of history with? How long? I'm not sure. I I mean, Jason and I have been working together for almost four years now, um, pretty regularly. And I feel like we had that pretty early on um, because I know that we both had similar, similar goals and, 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 you know, we, what we wanted to do with stories and storytelling was, was on a pretty similar page. You know, we really wanted to make people feel. And so because of that, I think that helped. But with other reporters, I mean, it's just, sometimes people don't want to talk about the story maybe in the field or stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like I try to push for that as much as, as much as possible. And the more you work with somebody the more you really get to understand their quirks and they get to understand yours. And I think it's just appreciating those and knowing that what you're getting into and, and how you can approach different people. And I, I try to do that as much because I work with, you know, a group of different people. Yeah. Jed, uh, do you do you agree with that as far as uh, or do you run into that a lot as far as some people love to communicate and others would rather just maybe listen to the radio on the way to the story? Yeah, I mean, I feel like every um, reporter photographer has that sort of issue wherever they're working, if they're that passionate on a day to day basis. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we all do. And I feel I think that the best way to to go about handling something like that is just taking baby steps, you know, like, let's try to, let's try to nail a stand up today. That's going to be off the charts. Let's try to shoot this interview a little bit differently. Let's uh, just try something different and just start small and just build from there. But uh, I feel like trying to completely overwhelm them with something is just going to maybe that, that'd be, that might be a little bit too much for them. But I, I feel like the best advice for people would be just start small and just keep building because eventually it, it will come around. And if they get, start getting some recognition, they're going to want to start to to keep that going also. And then it's contagious from that point. What is one success story that you had this year that really stands out to you just in terms of that teamwork? One specific thing you can remember, maybe from an award-winning story, maybe from just a, a you know, run of the mill daily turn where you really overcame the beast and put together a solid, solid story because of that teamwork. Yeah, there, there's a, a reporter that I, I really I enjoy working with, and I don't work with her very much, but um, I don't want to call her out specifically for this. But what I will say is that we, we, that we started the day, and I know she's never done this before, but we started the day with a theme, and we were covering a homicide story in, this, in a certain neighborhood and how there, over time nothing has really changed in that neighborhood. Well, I was like, we've got our theme. It's time. 
So let's try to revolve everything around like a clock. So I, I got some shots of a clock and I got the, got, you know, clipped my, uh, my lav mic on the clock and got some stuff that would help me transition later. And we went out, shot our story. And she really stuck to her theme of time whenever she would ask these questions to our interview subject that we found. And she's Very notorious cool. for writing really uh, like long tracks. But my goodness, it was amazing when we found the theme how concise the writing became. And I'm like, my goodness, this is a great story. And it, it didn't, I didn't submit it for anything. I was just really proud of the story that we told that day because it was, we told it in a unique way. We told it in a way that people could really understand and relate to. And um, that was probably one of the most rewarding stories that I've done. And I don't think that was about two years ago, but that's the one that really stands out in my mind. Mm. Catherine, how about you? What's a, what's a shining success story for you in terms of that teamwork and that communication where it really paid off? I think actually the train story that we've talked about comes to mind just because um, it was just such a, you don't often, I, I guess when you go to maybe breaking news or spot news, you kind of, you kind of br brace yourself for, you know, okay, anything can happen here. But with this particular story, it was, you know, at any second, this, this thing could completely be over with. And so kind of that trust and communication really went into effect with that because I think we got out of the car I, I went one way, he went another with the lav mic, and I always kind of listen in my camera um, to my headphones. I all, it's like I know when you'll turn the mic on. I know when you when you found somebody, but I need to shoot everything I can, or else this you know before this train moves. And so it was kind of this constant like, you know, he he'd find somebody, I'd be shooting, maybe I'd I'd shoot from a, you know a distance we'd keep the mic on them and then he'd take them off and then maybe i'd say oh go go get that lady she you know she seems you know like she's got a lot to bring to the table so it was just kind of this constant 40 minutes of not really ever talking to each other very much because we had already established you know this is what we're going to do and i trust you to do this you trust me to do that and hopefully by the end of it we'll like what we have so mm -hmm. i i think that was a that was a, a fun day and, and it was a pretty good example of that. What about on the back end of a story like that? And this is something I, I'm always curious because as someone who uh, is a one man band, for me, I never have to worry about what's in the camera because I already know what's in the camera. I've shot it all. Right. But, but for in, in a team situation, when you're jammed up against a deadline like that, how do you communicate to your reporter? Okay, here's what I have. And you know, do you, how often do you weigh in on a script after you get it? Take me through that process. And especially with a story like that, how that all plays in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, I guess with a story like that, you know, I, I'm obviously gonna, I'm listening the whole time to all, all these people that are wearing the microphone. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give him a heads up, you know, if, if maybe I've heard, you know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna use a good amount of this, or this is good reaction. That's enough. Maybe I'll kind of tell him, like, okay, you can move it on to somebody else now. I got a good amount, and so he kind of knows that. Okay, we've already got good sound just based on you know what I said. If the person's far away or something like that, um, and and you know the same same for for a reporter or him in this case who you know if he saw certain things. You know, he'd say, oh, can you try to do this? Um, can you try to shoot this? Because I'm going to want to include it later. And particularly in that story, um, we were doing an interview and he said, you know, go tight on this person because we had said we're going to reveal that it's a train. Um, he said, and I'll kind of give you a signal 
when we're going to have that reveal happen. And so I was shooting this guy, you know, pretty tight. And uh, Jason kind of with his hands did this motion as he asked this question to this guy. And so I knew he was telling me so wide on this cut. <laughs> you can't um, see what Catherine's doing, but she is basically like her hands were cupped and then they expand out. And, and it's as if he's flailing out at you. Yeah. And he's kind of saying, you know, do this. And so I think it's just kind of do it. He knows that I'm going to do it. I know that he's going to give me a signal to do it. And, and so it just, it just works like that in the field. And then, um, you know, hopefully reporters log everything you have. And I usually go back to the edit bay and log quite a bit myself, just all the naps and, and things like that, that I know I'm going to want to use. And then we just kind of keep talking about it and say, Hey, you know, I think this might be a good opening shot or they'll say, you know, show this. this. I, don't, I think just keeping that communication going is what matters with, with every story. Because even when you get back to the station, if that ends, then you could really be getting a different script than you expected, or you could be handing them a different story than they expected. So I think it's really good to just keep that going. Jed, uh, one part of Catherine's answer just stood out to me there as a little bit of a surprise, which is that Jason basically told her, hey, start tight on this person, and basically called out the shot that he wanted for an interview. And uh, I've never tried to do that with a photographer because I'm very scared, but I'm interested for the two of you and, and Jed, I'll ask you, obviously Catherine is cool with it when, you know, it's someone that she trusts. And I'd imagine they're talking so much that it's part of that communication. How, how receptive are you to that kind of thing? And how often do you get such uh, advice or how often do you get such kind of just requests from your reporters? I mean, um, that in the middle of an interview, I've actually, that's the first time I've heard of that. And that is awesome. And that's a, <laughs> yeah, actually, um, but uh, never during an interview, but the, I guess that when you work with someone long enough, like I've worked with Kathleen, when she gives me a look, I kind of know that she kind of wants me to change what I'm doing, or I, I don't really like to shoot a lot of my interview shots, one single framing. I'd like to move it around a lot, maybe get really wide, put my wide angle lens on or get super tight. Kathleen's really good at um, what I like to call pregnant questions. Like she will ask and she will keep talking, expanding the question until I give her the nod that I'm okay. Or she <laughs> nods that I'm okay and I'm set and I'm ready to go. Um, so it, it is that uh, teamwork and the fact that we work together a lot, that that um, chemistry that, that shines sometimes. And I think that's also something that needs to be built over time. got to earn that as a reporter. Yes. You can't just tell your photographers how to shoot everything. <laughs> I think, you know what, if you leave egos aside on both ends, you know, like I think that you shouldn't be afraid as a photographer to suggest a line or a way to start or end a story. And I, I don't think that it should be, um, you know, it, should, it shouldn't be frowned upon for reporters to suggest shots to photographers. I think the more you're on the same page, the better your story is going to be. I actually completely agree with that. I, 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 I've always said that's one of the biggest advantages that I feel like I have as a one-person crew because that ego is kind of removed from the equation immediately. If I, you know, shoot, if I, I can, I can burn five, ten minutes trying to get the perfect shot, and if it doesn't work out, I don't have to feel bad about it. I don't, you know, I don't have to apologize to someone. Whether when you're in the team, you do kind of have to earn that trust, and it's really interesting. And I'm sure you guys will talk about this a lot at the workshop as well, just how you build that. Uh, and how you maintain that over time. So very, very interesting stuff. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. My guests are the 2015 NPPA Regional Photographers of the Year for the East and Central Regions. I'm talking to Jed Gamber of WBFF in Baltimore and Catherine Stewart of WTVF. 
in Nashville. These are a couple of all-stars, and they will be speaking at this year's NPPA Southeast Storytelling Workshop in Atlanta. Tickets are available on the event page, and I'll be posting that link in the show notes for this podcast. Guys, I like to use this last section to talk about advice for younger journalists, and I think what's compelling about both of you achieving the honors that you've achieved is that you're both relatively young. It didn't seem like very long ago where in a big market you rarely saw a photographer in their 20s or early 30s. Those positions, frankly, from you know, just as someone who follows the business, as we all do, it seemed like those positions were gradually getting phased out. You rarely saw people wanting to invest in a career in photography. And most aspiring journalists you did see were learning how to do it all, like I do, shooting and editing my own stories. So it's very heartening and very gratifying to see two people like yourselves, and you're not alone as younger photographers who are really carrying the torch and really advancing and building upon those who came before you. Catherine, I'll start with you. How did you get into this business? And specifically, did you feel like when you first got started that you could make a steady career as a news photographer? Well, I I was majoring in journalism in college, but I actually hadn't seen the camera side of things until... um, the last year and actually I'm I have a very very lucky story how I got into it Scott Jensen actually taught a class at my college in Anchorage um, and I took his class and so I got a very early just kind of right off the bat I got shown what you can do in news that I did not think you could do in news I the storytelling thing I had never heard of or anything like that and so I got a taste of it then and um uh, so I started as a part-time photojournalist in Anchorage, um, and Scott was there as well. So I really had him as a mentor for the first, I mean, e- even now, but early on, I was very lucky to have that. And so that kind of got me into it uh, right away, kind of introduced NPPA and, and all that kind of stuff. And I I just thought, this is this is what I want to do, This is and, and I want to do it this way because I feel so much for it. And so immediately I really wanted to set out to make people feel for stories like like I was for the examples I was being shown and so I I just kind of committed right away to set out to to do that so that's what I've been trying to do (laughs) since (laughs) so many people I feel like enter the the field with idealistic goals and then those goals are gradually removed through, you know, years and, and stories that just breed cynicism and, and, and get people jaded very quickly. You obviously uh, continue to find ways to, you know, find the heart in your story. And it's really wonderful. What has been your key to doing that? Learning from everybody constantly. I, I mean, from the beginning and now, I mean, I'm, I'm at a shop with incredible incredible photographers um, and everybody's willing to talk about what they do. And I watch NPPA videos like nobody's business. And (laughs) I I don't know. I just, I I pick brains when I can. And I just really try to, that's something that's so cool about this business. I don't think, I don't think that you ever stop learning. And it amazes me, you know, in the beginning when I, when proper Iris and stuff was, really scary and and just getting all that stuff right was like oh okay this is a lot to tackle 
But then as every year goes by, I can't believe the things that I'm getting to learn from people and the stories that are coming out. And, and I think that's been, that's been, that's been it. I mean, it's just really taking as much as I can from, from people and from stories and, and the, the people that are in those stories and just kind of trying to run with it and do better every time. So, I mean, it's been, it's been little goals, uh, nonstop, but, um, I, I think I've, been able to watch so many people do such great things that I've tried to kind of absorb as much as I can, you know, through my career. So I think that's been the biggest, the biggest thing that's been driving me is just to kind of keep learning. Very cool. Jed, uh, I know we were uh, at one point during this podcast, Catherine dropped off the screen for a few minutes. So you and I were killing time and chatting and, uh, and I learned something that I did not know which is that you uh, started in this business as a sports guy and actually still do some fill-in sports work at WBFF. I think Catherine seems to be surprised to hear this too. Um, (laughs) So what were your long-term dreams starting out? How did you develop a passion for photography to the point where it has become your main thing? I mean, even as the fill-in sports guy, you are the chief photojournalist at WBFF, and that is the primary (laughs) title to which I assume you... Uh, put the most weight yeah um i i started out like every other kid i wanted to be on sports center you know you grow up watching sports <laughs> center you want to be on sports center with the catchy phrases uh whenever somebody hits a home run or has a slam dunk but uh yeah uh, um i i started out as a sports producer part-time at wbff actually and um i built a tape by going out with stan heist actually he shot the first thing that was on my resume tape that went out to Charlottesville. And I was there in Charlottesville, Virginia for three years. Uh, I did some one man banding stuff because I was the weekend sports guy. So um, to gather my inspiration, I would watch stories from Darren Durlach and um, NPPA stories from there. And I, I was watching them and I was watching them and then I would have people over for my station and we would end up watching them. And then we'd end up spending all night watching NPPA stories. And then um, the opportunity came about that, well, number one, I got engaged, so I was coming home anyway, and uh, BFF <laughs> had an opening for a photojournalist, and I applied, and I got the job, and, and that was when uh, I was like, you know what, I I want to work really hard to be part of the tradition here, and um, I went to the workshop a few years ago, and I've since um, worked as hard as I can to tell as best the stories that I can. So you obviously, uh, as the chief, you do a lot of hiring. Um, you're speaking at conferences. Uh, you've, you've done quite a few already this year, and you'll be speaking in Atlanta. You run into, I'm sure, a lot of aspiring photographers, a lot of college students. What do you say to those students who really want to be a news photographer, not an MMJ, not an editor, not on the air, a photographer? Go out there and shoot, and um, if you're really passionate about about it, Go find something that you're also passionate about, like uh, a sport or any interest that you have other than photography, and try to shoot that. A, a drill that I love to give new shooters is go find a, a car out back and shoot the license plate 15 different ways. You are now the second podcast guest of mine to make that recommendation. I love it. Well, that's good. It must be like a little NPPA thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like if you, if you love it that much after that, then maybe we can go somewhere with it. But yeah, it's, it's find some other thing that you're passionate about and try to tell a story about it and challenge yourself in a way that you don't have a reporter. Try to tell this on your own. 
try to do a natural sound package out of it. And if it's terrible, it's terrible. But the thing is, everybody has to start somewhere. So, you know, find uh, find a um, a mentor. Make sure you have a mentor and find somebody that you uh, you really admire in their work and keep watching and watching, learning and learning. And I feel like people steal from everybody techniques in this business. And I feel like that helps the business as a whole. So, uh, yeah, just keep building, watching other people and uh, going from there and knock them dead. And what about advice just in terms of, again, uh, you know, I, I think, he- heck, I answer this question for MMJs all the time who want to know if it's still possible to make a living and make a career in this business. You two are both photographers who are doing so in big markets and obviously have achieved very nice heights. Jed, I'll start with you. What do you say to that question about whether it's possible and whether it's feasible to expect to be able to really make a living as a photojournalist on a local TV news station? Oh, absolutely. But it, it, it depends on your uh, on your drive uh, to tell great stories. I think one of the things that I've at least I've tried to do at BFF right now with my uh, recent hires is um, we will give you the creative freedom to do what you want to do. But, and I want you to fail, but I don't want you to fail the same way twice, meaning that I want you to learn from your mistakes. Try different things because boring news is some is news that nobody wants to watch. But it, the more we change news to be more, I, I guess, viewer friendly for this age, this generation of really short attention spans, trying to make it look different, trying to tell better stories, because it's one thing that won't change is great storytelling. People love stories. So try to when you have this creative freedom, go out and try to turn a Vosat into something more. Try to talk to your producers and say, hey, I know you're giving me 40 seconds for this Vosat, but give me a minute and let me try to do something with it. And maybe it'll be a little more interesting. And if you do that, you know, when you come in the next day, your news director, your chief, somebody's going to give you a pat on the back saying, hey, that was pretty awesome. Build from there. Catherine, same question for you. What do you say to the college student or a young news photographer who wants to know, can I make a living doing this over the long haul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I a lot of Jed stuff, uh, what he said, I, I completely agree with. And, I, you know, be willing to there's, – there's a lot of work that comes with this job. And I think you have to be willing to understand that you're going to constantly be making mistakes and, you know, you're going to be missing moments. And I think that it's just really important for people to realize that that is just something that you you constantly do and you learn from it. And if you're willing to just kind of get up and be like, okay, I'm going to go out next time and I'm going to try not to try not to do this or try to do this. And, and then I think that, you know, you grow. Um, and another thing for people just, you know, starting out, I'd say make, make people watch your work, you know, find somebody to, throw ideas out with, find somebody to, to critique you and, you know, take, take all of that that you can get because there, I think there's so many people in this business who want to teach and want to mentor and, and, you know, want to give advice and, and see people's work. And I think that's such a, that's, I mean, that's what I did. And I can't imagine where I'd be without people constantly critiquing stuff and telling me, you know, what I could have done differently. And I was excited to get out there and, and, and try their suggestions and things like that. So I think it's, it's definitely something people can make a career out of. And, and if you're willing to bounce ideas off of people and just kind of be okay with the constant changing and, and learning, then I think it's something that anybody can really get into. 
Very cool. Well, guys, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. I, I always like to end with that famous reporter's question. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Catherine, I'll start with you. Anything we haven't touched on that you want to add? I don't think so. Thank you so much for, for having me. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is great. How about you, Jed? No, I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, everything that's happening in, in Atlanta in June. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. Uh, I'm really excited about it, and I can't uh, stress how how awesome it will be and uh, how great it would be if everybody, if possible, could attend. It's going to be an amazing, amazing workshop. Yeah. That's photographer slash sports anchor Jed Gamber with that response. Jed, thank you. Catherine, thank you guys so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you so much. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And again, if you want any information or if you would like to register for the Southeast Storytelling Workshop, it's going to be a great weekend. That link is in the show notes for this podcast. Check out the website. Again, tellingthestoryblog.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.